Nearly 8.17. And where's President Trump's pen pal diplomacy with Chairman Kim taking us? Well, Trump's used the following words to describe Kim's latest letter. Magnificent, beautiful, extraordinary, historic. Only time will tell. For now, let's bring in Sue Kim, former CIA North Korea analyst, for further discussion. Thank you so much for taking the time. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And in a speech and following conversations uh, to the Council of Foreign Relations in New York, South Korean President Moon Jae-in reiterated how North Korean leader Kim Jong-un genuinely said he wouldn't use tricks for denuclearization. He seems to be staking his reputation on the idea that North Korea is sincere about this. Uh, And that was very clear in his General Assembly speech as well. What's your take on President Moon's act as not just mediator, but but really somebody who's who's putting his uh, legacy on the line? Mm -hmm. So it's actually uncertain um, just what substantive, verifiable pledge Um, from Kim Jong-un that President Moon is actually going by when he's saying that Kim isn't going to be using tricks for denuclearization. So as you recall, the the negotiations for the North's nuclear dismantlement haven't really shown credible, verifiable steps. So in the recent Pyongyang summit, the North agreed to dismantle the Chongqing missile launch site and perhaps even the Yongbyon nuclear facility. Now, the second one is contingent upon the United States taking corresponding measures stipulated in the Singapore agreement. But we also have intelligence reports that say that the North continues to develop its nuclear and missile capabilities, and the steps the Kim regime has taken thus far have been symbolic. So, for instance, the dismantlement of the Selhan missile launch facility, as many experts point out, is it's just merely a symbolic gesture to honor its promise made to the United States and Singapore. So we haven't really seen North Korea take any actual state lending steps to erode its nuclear capabilities, permanently yeah. and irreversibly. So many Koreas are, Korea watchers are actually questioning the basis of, of his comments. And, you know, additionally, he also said something about how um, Kim Jong-un was, was fearing or he had speculated that if the United States does, you know, determine or catches on that North Korea might be lying about denuclearizing, that he'd be concerned about the United States taking, you know, actions as retaliation. And, it's odd because this is the same Kim Jong-un who threatened the existence of the United States with, you know, with its nuclear and missile capabilities just about a year ago. And now he's saying that he's scared and concerned about you know, the security of his country. That doesn't really seem to line up. doesn't seem to line up. Um, I guess it's possible that to North Korea's talk and actual feelings uh, are different. But something else that looks a bit contradictory to me is, is where the U.S. will have to go forward. I mean, maybe even we could describe it as a lose-lose situation. If the US does genuinely think that North Korea is playing a trick here, um, either they they refuse to play ball uh, and they'll get blamed for it, or they go forward and get tricked and they'll be blamed for it. What's your view on how the US can proceed? Well, I think that's why um, President Trump recently said that he's not in any kind of rush um, to, to proceed. I think he said something along the lines of he's not going to go into this time game. And, and those comments were interesting because, you know, he not only doesn't want to play this game, but he said he has all the time in the world um, and also that the U.S. is actually in a great position. So there's been no nuclear testing, uh, no testing of rockets, he says. And it, so that takes the urgency out of disarming, he says. 
But I think what's happening here is that he's coming to the realization that setting a timetable is unrealistic and it's not feasible. So you'll recall that the timetable is shown. It's gone from, you know, like six months to a year to the end of his term and now to this like indefinite abstract notion of a timeline. And, you know, politically and scientifically, just setting a constrained timetable on this topic, it's, it's unrealistic. In addition to, you know, examining and inspecting their declared sites, we also have to consider North Korea's secret facilities. And you know, how also are we going to account for the stockpiles and weapons? It's, it's just a complicated process. So, you know, the North hasn't budged from its position, and it's just been touting this broad denuclearization of the peninsula, not North Korea. So my take is that perhaps President Trump is actually coming to terms and perhaps slowly cutting his losses now. Or, you know, if he plans to further engage with the North, you know, realizing that we probably won't be denuclearizing Pyongyang in the near future, this is going to be, it's going to be a dragged out process with pro forma dialogue and probably a little show in terms of substantive progress on the nuclear front. Right, yeah. I mean, a lot of critics could easily just say there's just a lot of niceties being thrown around without that evidence you pointed out before. On the other hand, we do have President Moon saying, to support his point, that Chairman Kim is focusing very much on the economy rather on nuclear development right now. Can can we Mm -hmm. place some stock in that? Well, you know, I think Kim has achieved a certain amount of confidence in his nuclear capabilities. So now that that's checked off, he's following through with the other part of his plan, as you know, as it was mentioned in his New Year's address, to revitalize his country's economy. So he's fulfilling his pledge to the domestic population. But externally, this confidence in his nuclear capabilities, it gives him negotiating leverage. So it's perceived as a threat to the region, but also a great bargaining chip for Kim. So the same nuclear and missile program that slapped sanctions on the regime's economic activities basically a provocation, a provocation tool, it actually works in favor of the North's economy as a placating instrument. So Kim brings the nuclear weapons to the negotiating table, hints at a desire to give them up, and then he expresses this willingness to improve inter-Korean relations, restore peace, and then South Korea, in response, has opened the door to various economic opportunities for North Korea. So we're talking about, like, the inter-Korean railway, the prospect of reopening Kaesong, and you know, just recently, President Moon took with him executives from South Korea's top conglomerates to North Korea, mm. presumably to discuss you know, economic exchanges or South Korea's financial, technological assistance to North Korea. Exactly. So it, it certainly looks like South Korea's already investing, not just emotion, but uh, practical steps in the direction of cooperation, which would be wasted if mm-hmm. if it doesn't come off. Uh, there's not just peace, in other words, but also money on the line. But There's peace, yes. Mm-hmm. I, well, I just wanted to ask you for further evidence beyond the economy. The fact that North Korea allowed President Moon to stand up in front of 150,000 people at that 1st of May stadium in Pyongyang. Uh, what message is North Korea trying to send if that was just a a part of the ploy? (laughs) Well, you know, that was actually quite a nail-bitingly interesting speech. So just some of my observations. President Moon, he bowed fully to the North Korean public, which is quite deferential. 
And then he addressed the North Koreans as brethren and fellow Koreans to, to emphasize the oneness and the, the, the unity of the two Koreas. And then he referred to himself as the president of the South, not South Korea and not the Republic of Korea. So this oneness of, and the unity of the two Koreas, it was perpetuated throughout his speech. And he, I think he, went, he said something along the lines of, you know, autonomy of the people, you know, determining our own fate. So it delivers the impression that the South and the North are together in this quote-unquote warfare um, against these external influences trying to, to formulate and to shape the fate of the peninsula. So to the North Koreans, um, it could signal improved relations, but it could also signal South Korea's submission to the North. So, you know, as I mentioned before, Moon traveled with an entourage of 200 um, including, you know, executives from Samsung, LG, and all these other big companies. And the regime could easily portray this visit not just as a warming of relations, but it, it could be demonstrative of South Korea making concessions to their supreme leader. And, mm. you know, how that's portrayed in North Korea is one thing, but how that's also perceived and digested among the South Korean elites and the public, that's also something that we should be considering. Sue Kim, former CIA North Korea analyst, thank you for joining us. Thank you.